Look to your neighbor and say, don't be a Scrooge. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, don't be a Scrooge. By show of hands, who has seen A Christmas Carol before? All right, all right. So I'm really excited about presenting the word today. And I want you to know, uh, it's probably been mentioned already, but uh, we are using two classic Christmas stories as a front door, Kevin, Aaron, Anthony, Jamie, as a pet front door to the gospel. We've been looking at historical heroes, bearded heroes of the faith. We looked at in October uh, some monsters as a as a springboard, a platform. And for the next two Sundays, we're going to be looking at classic Christmas stories and asking this question. Here's the question that you should always ask yourself, Dakota. What's the principle? That's the question. If you're in God's word, any of the 66 books of Holy Scripture, you should be asking yourself, what's the principle? How do I apply that thing to my life? And as a minister, as well as a rapper, I like to ask the question, even outside of the text of Scripture, I like to say, God, what can I get from this thing to help others see Christ more clearly? And I'm here to tell you that the story of Ebenezer Scrooge A Christmas Carol is chock full of glimpses of the gospel. So I'm really excited about presenting to you today. I want you to know my expectation is that you interact with me. So when I say, look to your neighbor, what you going to do? When I say, say amen, what you going to do? Y'all know how I do. Y'all know it. So let me give you a brief synopsis of the story. And then I want to turn the corner, help you answer that question. What's the point? What's the principle? So the story is about Vante, Ebenezer, Scrooge, bitter, mean, grumpy, self-absorbed, wealth-absorbed old man who can't think about nothing but hoarding the money that he has. Has no time, no place in his life for people, and especially no time or place for Christmas. So he's a professional moneylender. And he has a man that works for him by the name of Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit has a little boy. Anybody remember the little boy's name is Tiny what? Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim walked with a limp, right? Not because he was a pimp, though. He walked with a limp, okay? He had a, dis- he had a disease. According to the story, he has a disease that is treatable. And Bob Cratchit, his father, would be able to treat the disease. And he would be able to walk if he made a reasonable income. But Scrooge... Is so frugal that not only does he pay his employee very meager income, but he's so stingy with that money that he won't even heat his own office. That's what you just saw there a minute ago. So as the story goes, Scrooge is on his way, uh, or he's about to finish uh, the work day on Christmas Eve, and his nephew comes and invites him to Christmas dinner. He says, nope, that's not going to happen. So Scrooge, on his way home, he bustles past singing uh, Christmas carolers, and he walks right past Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim just says, hi, Mr. Scrooge. He says, what, you want some money? No, no, I'm just waiting for my dad. Oh, you're going to be waiting a long time, aren't you? He's just on his way home, and as he gets home that night, it's seven years to the day from when his longtime friend, Jacob Marley, had died Seven years removed on Christmas Eve. So 
As he's on his way to bundle up, to go to sleep that night, he gets visitation from four ghosts, from Jacob Marley and from the ghosts of Christmas. Y'all help me out. Christmas past, present, and future. Christmas yet to come. Well, Jacob Marley, having died seven years prior, has been punished by the powers that be to carry spiritual chains of darkness and haunt those in the world who are pursuing money and not loving people. And he comes to Scrooge and he says, Scrooge, repent. I want you to look to your neighbor and say it like a Baptist preacher. Say, repent. He tells Scrooge, repent or you are going to be given the same punishment as me to carry these heavy chains and to warn people that this will be your eternal recompense if you don't change. Well, sure enough, Scrooge is scared out of his mind. But as he wakes up, he concludes that must have just been a nightmare. But sure enough, the three other ghosts come. The ghosts of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. And the ghost of Christmas past takes him to a place in his life when he was a young boy, when he actually cared about people. And come to find out, Scrooge, mean old Scrooge, had a father wound as a little boy. Excuse me, as a child, as a baby, he was born, his own mother passed away in childbirth. So his dad was bitter towards Scrooge and tells Scrooge, I'm going to send you to a boys' school for the rest, the remainder of your young life. He's angry at him. So Scrooge goes to a boys' school, and every Christmas when all the other boys would go and spend Christmas with their families, Scrooge is not welcomed home. Well, when he's a young man, father... And his sister come to him and say, Scrooge, it's time to come back home. And the sister tells him, your dad, our dad, he's not as mean as he used to be. I think he's excited to see you. So Scrooge actually has a glimmer of hope in his heart. He runs out to his dad and his dad stops him in his tracks. Scrooge says, dad, it's me. I've grown. He says, most people do. Like, wow. He says, you're going to be home for three days and I've got an apprenticeship arranged for you. You're going to go ahead and start working and make something of your life. That's where it happened. That's where Scrooge, his heart began to turn. And he began to forsake loving people, began to pursue money. Well, the ghosts of Christmas present, the ghosts of Christmas future do their thing and show him different experiences in his life. And it's ultimately the ghosts of Christmas future that shows Scrooge his own grave. Shows Scrooge that one day, homeboy, you're going to die. Scrooge has a change of heart. Scrooge recognizes through all the experience that he had been exposed to through the two prior ghosts that he had wasted his life. That he had lived a life on things that didn't really matter, ultimately. So Scrooge changes. He has a repent, repentance, change of heart, change of mind. And he wakes up on Christmas morning, a new man. He buys Bob Cratchit a turkey for the family. He tells Bob Cratchit, I'm going to double your salary. I commit to paying for the Tiny Tim's treatment that he would be restored fully. I wish you have a Merry Christmas. And the author, Charles Dickens, goes on to explain that Scrooge went on to live the spirit of Christmas better than anyone in all of London until the day he died. And that's how the story wraps up. Somebody give that man two claps. So, 
Here's where I want to turn the corner. The question is, what's the point? Where is the gospel in this? I want to give you 10 gifts. It's going to be somewhat of a drive-by. But I'm going to give you 10 gifts that I want to contribute to your journey. It's those who are called to love people, called to love God. First gift. I hope you got something to write down. If not, commit it to your mind and heart. You can go online later and check this out. But the first gift I want to give you from this story is the fact that everybody has a story. Look to your neighbor and say, everybody. Everybody's got a story. And we find out that Scrooge was not always the mean, old, grumpy, tight-wadded man that we see in the, in the depiction there. At some point in his life, he had been wounded by a person. And I want you to know that everybody's got a story. You've got a story. That young man or that young woman that you're married to or pursuing has got a story, obviously. The homeless brother or sister on the block has a story. The drug addict has a story. We all have a story. We should remember that. Fight for that place of compassion when we relate with people, especially those who live in lifestyles with whom we differ. Everybody's got a story. Jesus told a brief parable in the Gospel of Matthew, and I want to read it to you very quickly. Check this out. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Kingdom of heaven. I've preached on that here before. The immediate interpretation of that scripture is that the kingdom of Christ is the treasure. In order to access the kingdom, to be in the kingdom, we've got to give up all that we have. To access the free gift of God. He's just asking us to let it go and you get everything. But another interpretation that I think is fair to the reading of this text as well as the exegesis of the whole scripture. This captures how we're supposed to live in relationship with other people. The fact is everybody has a treasure. Jerome family. Everybody has a treasure. And that treasure... It's hidden by a field. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got treasure. And sometimes it's hard to see that thing because of somebody's attitude. Or somebody's shortcoming. Or somebody's predisposition to doing this. Or doing this. And we should embrace people in light of the fact that God has put treasure in every person. We should love people beyond the field. And the attitude and the mess. And the problems. The same way God has loved us beyond our field. Anybody with me say amen. amen. Gift number two. Look to your neighbor say the second one. I want to ask the question with this gift. What competes for our love for people? What's competing for our love for people? For Scrooge, what was competing for his love for people? It was that money. Stacking that bread, we say. Stacking that toast. But I want to ask the question, what is it for you? Ask the, what's the point? What's the point for you? What's competing for your love for people? I want to show you a picture. Somebody tell me who this brother is right here. Kevin Durant. Basketball player, okay. <laughs> so two years ago, Kevin Durant 
took LeBron and the Miami Heat uh, to the brink. He didn't end up winning. And so the following year, which was last season, Kevin Durant made a promise to himself and to the world, I'm going to get that ring. I'm going to get married to the game like my man Anthony over here, national champ. I'm going to get married to the game. That's what he said. And so last season, he accumulated more technical fouls than he had over the course of his whole career, pushing his teammates to the, to the limit, yelling at his teammates, yelling at his coach, cussing at referees. His grandmother even went on record calling him out, saying, I better not catch you cussing on TV one more time. So Kevin Durant this season comes out and made a statement on ESPN.com and says, I definitely want the ring. I want it, man. I want it. But if I don't get it, it's okay. Because I found myself becoming someone else in pursuit of success. The question is, Jamie, what is competing for our love for people? Ask yourself that question. And the fact is, sometimes I think we ourselves can get in the way of loving people. You guys ever had a conversation with somebody? And... (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) I was almost done with that question. You ever had a conversation with somebody where... You're in that conversation and the person doesn't even think to ask you, how are you? Hour-long conversation, hour and a half. I've had hour-long conversations, more than hour-long conversations, with people never even thought to ask, ask your boy how he's doing. I'll just say, I'm doing good, let's get it back on you, but didn't even think to ask. I think sometimes we can get in our own way of loving people well because we're caught up on me. Didn't get an amen on that one, did I? Amen. Number Two, what is competing for our love of people? Number three, what competes for our love of God? Our love of God. Another way to articulate that question is, what's competing for our pursuit of God? Yeah, I think if you were asked, do you love God? Oh, I love God. Oh, absolutely. Hey, if it weren't for him, hey, I I don't know where I'd be. But the question is, what's competing For your pursuit of God. I want to be transparent with you. I have a cousin. I won't tell you his name. You you probably won't ever meet him. Most of you. But I won't tell you his name. But I have a cousin who not too long ago, uh, we we were in the car. He's telling me, he doesn't live in the area, by the way. I'm bringing another baby boy into the world. Holler at your boy. Say, cuz, I can't celebrate that with you, man. You're not taking care of the kids you got. I don't mean to be a downer. I love you, but I'm asking you to step it up, man. Oh, come on, man. You know how we are, Cathcarts. You know, we got to get that drink. You know, we smoke. Cuz, your own identity, your self-perspective is an obstacle for you to pursue God the way you need to. This is just who I am. And the fact is, it's not exclusive to my cousin. I know that's, 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 that's me, too. That's our culture. Hey, if God can't accept me where I'm at, who I am, then forget God. I'm going to do me. But what we see in this, in this story begs the question, what is stopping us from pursuing the Lord? 
Maybe it's our own identity that we've got to lay down and give up so we can inherit the riches of knowing Christ. Paul said, man, I count everything as rubble by comparison to knowing him. My own identity. Number three, what competes for our love, our pursuit of God. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Gift number four. This is a good one. I got to keep this thing moving. The story tells us when look through the lens of the gospel, I'm here to tell you, God can change anybody. I said God can change anybody. There's hope for every Grinch and every Scrooge. I'm here to tell you. Check this out in the story. The Scrooge is met by the ghosts of Christmas past, future, present, and future. Thank you. And I'm here to tell you that according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is one, a real being, who's described in the scripture as he who was and is and is to come. Somebody ought to say amen. And he can change anybody. One of the most compelling demonstrations For the veracity of the gospel, most specifically the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is what happened to those very real men and women that came into contact with the risen Jesus Christ. He changed them. Jesus' own brother, James, the scripture tells us that his own brothers did not believe in him. That's just Yeshua. Don't, why y'all tripping over this dude? That's just Yeshua. The scripture says that a prophet is not welcome in his own hometown. A lot of times preachers, pastors, leaders have to leave their own hometown to lead and do what God has called them to do because their family ain't sweating them. But Jesus, after rising from the dead, his own brother who didn't believe came into contact with the risen Lord, was radically changed. You open up your Bible and turn on your way to Revelation, you're going to stop at a book. We call James. Messianic Hebrew scholars would tell us that we should probably interpret that as Jacob. Nonetheless, same dude. The whole book of James is from Jesus' brother who didn't believe until he met the risen Lord. Paul, violent oppressor. Paul said in Galatians, I was a passionate persecutor of the church. Met Jesus Christ. Homeboy got changed. I'm here to tell you, God can change. Look to your neighbor and say, anybody. Gift number five. Spirit of Christmas. You can write it down. The spirit of Christmas. What's up with this? You know how at Christmas we, we decide, man, I'm going to give more. I'm going to love more. Man, I'm going to make time for the things that really matter. And then come New Year's, man, it's off. We all into something else. I've spoken at a lot of, I've officiated uh, memorial services where in, in reflection to this person's life, Dakota, I say, man, I vow to live a life that honors this past brother or sister. And that lasts for about a week or two or three. And then it's back to the routine. Anybody know what I'm saying? The story captures not how we should live during Christmas only, but 12 months a year. Somebody say yes. Yes. Number six, mortality. Mortality. The story captures the fact that Ebenezer Scrooge was a hardened old man and his encounters with the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas present were absolutely compelling but when he got that encounter with ghost of Christmas future 
And the ghost brought him to his own gravesite. He uncovered the dust on the gravesite and he sees his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. He realized one day I'm going to die. The scripture tells us that it's appointed to every man, woman, boy, and girl wants to die and then what? The judgment. The fact is even in our Christian church culture, especially in America, we're divorcing ourselves from even considering making sure people know that you're not going to live forever. Oh, let's just stick it on let's just keep it on 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 living lives of joy and peace and warmth and light. But let's be real, people. You're going to die one day. You're going to die. And when Scrooge got that in his dome, it sobered him to realize he had to make a change. I want to show you a picture. I read on the news today, um, brother to the left, Paul Walker, passed away in a car accident. You guys know him. 40 years old, talented, handsome, successful. It was his time. People should not take the fear of death to compel us to love people with the time that we have. Somebody said amen. Amen. (laughs) To love God with all of our hearts. Mortality. Number seven. Look to your neighbor and say, he's almost there. there. Number seven. Gift number seven. I'm hooking y'all up. All these gifts. Gift number seven. This story is a call for change on the inside. Change on the inside. I grew up singing a song and went like this. Something on the inside. Working on the outside brought about a change in my life. I'm going to take a gospel line. Whoa, something on the inside. Working on the outside brought about a change in my life. Then the congregation goes like this. I say, change, you say, in my life, change, you say, Change in my life, change. Okay, that's the song. That's the song. The story, the story captures the fact that we should seek change on the inside. The most well-intentioned person seeking to love people and to serve people, to love God and to serve people, will be completely exhausted with enough time there's not something inwardly that's driving them. And so as believers, the call is that we seek God and say, God, man, I want to love you with all my heart. So you give me the power and the strength to love people the way you want me to love them. And you watch what happens. Give your life away from the inside. God can and will use it. Gift number eight. Look, say so you never say number eight. The story is a call to be teachable, a call to be teachable, to fight for humility. Jesus taught, he told his students, he said, don't call a man father. You actually have one father, and that's God. Don't call a man teacher. You've got one teacher, and that's Christ. He wasn't saying that we can't call someone father. Literally, the gist of what he was saying is that 
The Pharisees at that point, the religious leaders, had a monopoly so much so that nobody could even question them or call them on anything. And Jesus is maintaining that we should fight for humility that as brothers and sisters, we welcome others to challenge us and to encourage us in our walk with Christ. So much so that even our leaders should be at the place where those who God has graciously given us a platform to lead can call your leaders on the things that don't sit right with you in a spirit of love and gentleness. I'll be transparent with you. Just Tuesday, we're at staff meeting. I said something, and Doreen, Jason's wife, my sister-in-law, Doreen says, man, I don't agree with that. I think you're wrong about that. I think you did that the wrong way. We got to have a very important conversation, get on the same page. But as I thought about it, I thought, man, we've got to have that. Where people can call us on, on the things that maybe we're, not, maybe we're not hitting it right. Humility. A call to humility to be teachable. Number nine, the band is on the way up. The story of Ebenezer Scrooge is a story of Christmas personified. Christmas personified. But I'm here to tell you that Ebenezer Scrooge, after he repented and changed and went on and loved and gave and blessed people and lived out the spirit of Christmas, he's not the best example of Christmas personified. And neither is the real St. Nicholas, who was a historical figure, a historical man who was an orphan and inherited an insane amount of money. And it's becoming a man. He went to orphanages and gave gifts to children. We get orange in the stocking cap from this real man who would dip balls of chocolate into gold and give them away. But even he doesn't capture the spirit of Christmas. Best, Jesus is the personification of, of Christmas. And we got to get serious simply about following Jesus. That's the whole Christian walk summed up. Follow me right there. We simply love people the way Jesus loved. Love God the way people Jesus loved God, we will live out the spirit and the personification of Christmas. And number 10, this is where I make my appeal. If you with me, say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Gift number 10, I want you to get this. I want you to get it. I'm calling it the dividing line. Some things in our life, some things in our life should be radically different before and after. And are radically different before and after. Yeah. How many married brothers and sisters here? Okay. How many would agree that life before marriage and life after marriage is very different? <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> is very different, should be very different, is an awesome blessing from God. If I had to give up everything... For my wife, man, I promise you I'd do it. Love being married. Ministry, very different before and after. That career, very different before and after. How many of you guys have kids? Very different before and after, would you agree? Well, check this out. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, has broken his way into time and space put on human flesh and was born to a virgin 
She was told in Matthew chapter 1, you ought to call him Jesus for he's going to save his people from their sins. This Christ child. The fact is, I know for myself, sometimes I have to remember that there's a dividing line when it comes to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There should be a difference. Just a few days ago, I found myself laughing at something. I realized, wow, I need more Jesus. (laughs) I don't think that honored the Lord, man. I'm making light of... And the fact is, as we move into worship, the fact is, sometimes we've got to fight to remember that line. I told you a few weeks ago, I woke up just a few Uh, I guess it was a few weeks ago, I woke up and I had a song in my mind. I was dreaming about this song that I had uh, written Maggie when I was in college. In my dream, I was was singing it. And I woke up and I started singing to her. And thoughts of, of that season in my life, of new love, fresh love, began to flood my heart. And as I was singing that to her with morning breath, I began to realize, wow, sometimes we've got to get to that place where we're revisiting that dividing line, the things that matter the most. And that's Christmas. We got a whole month to revisit that dividing line. The Son of God come to save his people, give us not only eternal life, but abundant life, provision blessing we would love people the way he loved people we would love God the way he loved God our life should never be the same so for the remainder of the service we're going to have leaders from our congregation come forward Pastor Shannon is here I'll be here our jail leaders will be here I want you to take this moment and commit your mind and heart fully to embracing that baby in a manger, that Savior who was born to save the world, that we would never live the same, embracing new love, new light, new life, abundant life, that God, you would use me to bless this world, that God, you would change me radically every day, that I would live the spirit of Christmas, more specifically the spirit of Christ, For 12 months out of the year. Would you stand with me and I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to give you praise and honor. You are great and greatly to be praised. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, God, for this moment that we have to saturate in the love that you've displayed to us. And God, right now I'm asking that not a person in this building under the sound of my voice would leave this building the same way in which they came. But we would be changed. That we would be more like Jesus. That we would bow the knee of our heart to follow you and to know you and to love you. That we would live the spirit of Christmas fully. That God, we would honor you. So Lord, we thank you for this time. And as we pray and as we sing... God, we pray that you would change us. 
We pray this in the blessed, mighty, glorious, beautiful, awesome name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Put your hands together, somebody.